0: sleigh bells ring are you
1: listening in the lane snow is glistening Abuse hello this is Randy Moon and happy new tonight, year welcome to the holiday the
2: moons podcast where we share our love for the holidays with you year
1: round
0: this is beth and i am going to be discussing whether or not snowflakes are really unique
1: this is Cole and I am going to be talking about the history of snowman.
3: And this is Sydney and I will be talking about the Danish word hygge and and what it means.
1: Awesome. Well, I did not know this was Danish dictionary Huda-day. month. <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> the is? The word
3: for today is
2: <laughs> Since our last podcast, we've celebrated Christmas together and we hope you have as well for those of you that celebrate Christmas. And we've had New Year's, so a lot of fun holiday happenings over the last couple of weeks, way too many to go into detail. But we have had our Christmases, did all of our fun traditions, and we hope that you uh, did all your fun things as well. The one thing I'd say... Was a little disappointing. Was the weather? It was much warmer than we like to have at Christmas
1: here. But uh, everything else was good. It was very nice. Um, The week after, when I went back to work, I was able to go on a couple of walks outside. (laughs) Because it was warm. Yeah, yeah, because it was very warm. It was very (laughs) pleasant.
3: And it still is warm. And I have to say, I'm not a huge fan of warm weather around Christmas. And I I saw a wasp the other day. So, you know.
2: (laughs) I meant to tell you that I saw a dead wasp in the garage. Like it had tried to go from the cold. Because it was cold this Mm -hmm. morning. It was below freezing this morning. So, it actually, I think it got that one that you saw. It didn't make it. It didn't make (laughs) it. Yay. It it died on the way into the garage, it looked Mm -hmm.
0: like. I agree. I like the snowfall. One of the things that we did this week was take down our big real tree in the family room, undecorated it, took it down, and are in the process of taking down Christmas decorations, both of which are Randy, and putting up winter decorations. I'm not
2: the decorations. You could be the decorations. I'm the one doing the work.
0: Right. Yes.
2: Correct. Yes. Just to be clear. That's right. So after New Year's, the tree looked um, like it was getting brown. The live tree was getting brown on the end, so... I felt like we needed to get that out. Plus, I like to start to work on puzzles. That's one of my uh, winter activities is to do some puzzles. And I've gotten, I think, four of (laughs) those 4 or five. So, um, of course, I had to pick the hardest one um, to start with. But um, tree out of the way, puzzle, um, table goes where the tree was. So that was good. And then we uh, have a lot of winter decorations like we talked about at the last podcast. So I wanted to start getting those up. So we still have our trees up. We still have a lot of our lights up. uh, But most of the decor around the house we've replaced now with the snowmen or are replacing with the snowmen.
0: And the white things, the wintry things. Right. Yes.
2: Very, very fun. Like we said last time, it's at least we're not taking down Christmas stuff and nothing's going in its place. Right. Winter that would things, be sad.
1: Winter fun things are going in its place. That's right. So now to the most exciting thing happening in January every <laughs> January weekend for anybody who loves America this is Wild Card Weekend. Um, what is Wild Card Weekend? For those we are that might very not know. excited about. Um, so Wild Card Weekend is the first weekend of the NFL playoffs. Where the wild card teams play each other, um, and the teams that don't get a bye week play each other.
2: Right, so there's four conferences, and I mean, there's four divisions in each conference. The two best in those divisions, of those two divisions, to have a week off. The two worst of those four division winners play two wildcard teams, which were the next best teams in those conferences. So right. um, Cole is excited about football playoffs this year because his team the Baltimore Ravens are in it and are, were the number one seed in their conference so they had the best record I'm not that interested this year because <laughs> Steelers didn't even make the playoffs
1: so nope. what um and your second choice got knocked out Buffalo <laughs> Buffalo Bills yep. yesterday um in a bit of a surprise for yes. me at least yes um, so. but it looks like there's several surprises this yes weekend. there has already been several surprises um, it's A day of celebration for many people, as the (laughs) New England Patriots were knocked out of the playoffs. Very sad for sad
0: for other people. Sad
1: for uh, a very small and undeserving (laughs) minority of Americans.
0: Not true. Some of our best (laughs) friends are
1: the (laughs) Andersons who love the Patriots. All I'm saying is that on social media, I've seen more people post happy Patriots aren't going to the Super Bowl posts then people post, like, people that I didn't see post stuff about Christmas are posting stuff <laughs> about the Patriots not making the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of celebrations going on in people's hearts. <laughs> um, Yep, so very exciting. Obviously, this is coming out a little after Wild Card Weekend and the next weekend. So actually, by the time this post will have had all the play- playoff weekends... So we'll know who is going to the Super Bowl. Yep. So I may be a very disappointed Baltimore Ravens fan <laughs> by the time this comes out. Or at least you got in the playoffs. But at least, yep.
0: Or a happy one. Or a
1: very happy one and very nervous one. That's true. right.
0: The only thing that could make this better right now is snow.
1: That's so true.
0: Kill the, the bugs. Kill the bugs. That's right. Get cold enough to have a beautiful blanket of snow and in the process, Hello bugs. Yeah, we like
2: that. Yeah, I was looking through pictures from last year at this time, and we must have had a snowstorm right after New Year's last year, oh, that's based on so the nice. pictures we had.
0: I got some research from Penn State, Geology.com, and Caltech. That was very interesting. I was researching, oh. I researched actually a lot of other sites also.
1: A little heavy on the Pennsylvania University. Well, you <laughs> know. Penn State is awesome. Penn State is
0: great. Um But I actually researched a lot of different sites, and these three seem to bring it down to a place... No, these three places, Caltech, PennStateGeology.com.
2: Oh, I thought when you said... Yes.
0: So it's three different sites that seem to encapsulate what I'm talking about, but many more were looked at.
1: So it's not Penn State Geology. It's not
0: Penn State Geology. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they
1: have a great geology department. They do.
0: They have a great everything department. <laughs> We're writing our graduates of Penn State. So, All right. So the first thing that's important to know is how snowflakes actually form. So a snowflake begins when a tiny dust or pollen particle comes into contact with water vapor high in the Earth's atmosphere. The water vapor coats the tiny particle and freezes into a tiny crystal of ice. This tiny crystal is the seed... From which a snowflake will grow. I found that interesting. I didn't know
1: that snowflakes had seeds.
0: So when we're sticking our tongues out to catch
3: snow on our tongues, we're catching dust particles.
1: Yeah, or pollen. Or,
3: or pollen. Oh, that, well, that's, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great to know. Um,
3: it's small, quite though.
0: tiny little ones, though. Like and you... if you think about how many snowflakes fall down, a... the amount that's up there has to be so like they have to be so small to be able to float around in the air like that. But if you choose not to get snowflakes on your tongue, I understand now. <laughs> so the molecules of water that form each tiny ice crystal naturally arrange themselves into a hexagon, which is a six-sided structure. The result is that a snowflake has six sides or six arms. And the- arms? Yep, arms.
2: Those are the scary snowflakes. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. I haven't seen those <laughs> no snowflakes before.
0: The ice crystals are minerals because they're naturally occurring solids with, with a definite chemical composition and an ordered internal structure. That was right from geology.com.
1: Oh, wow. So is that the definition of a mineral? No. So are we minerals?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. No. No. It's it's A mineral is a naturally occurring solid with a definite chemical composition. Composition and an in ordered internal structure. So I yes. guess
1: that means your heads a mineral a naturally occurring solid. <laughs> He's <being> so wrong.
0: <laughs> how does it? How does the snowflake grow then from this tiny little ice crystal seed? So the ice crystal is heavier than the surrounding air, so it starts to fall. As it falls through the humid air, more water vapor freezes onto the surface of the tiny crystal. This freezing process is very systematic. The water molecules of the vapor arrange themselves so that the hexagon crystal structure of the ice is repeated. So the snowflake grows larger and larger as it falls, enlarging the hexagon pattern. Hmm. I found this very interesting. Although all snowflakes have a hexagon shape, other details of their geometry can vary. These variations are produced by different temperatures and humidity conditions through which the snowflake falls. Some temperature and humidity combinations produce flakes with long needle-like arms. Other conditions produce flakes with wide flat arms. Other conditions produce thin branching arms. So these different shapes have an unlimited number of variations, each representing the conditions of the temperature and humidity and water vapor the snowflake encountered during its fall. So that's important. As this little ice crystal is falling, those three things, the water vapor, the humidity, and the temperature that each encounters is different. Even though they seem to be all falling in the same general area, they're not. It's each a specific, what would you call that? A specific tra- A specific path. Each has a specific path with those unique combinations that may be similar but are not the same. So, the question then is, will they actually reach the ground as snow? That's one question.
1: That's my question. Is it? (laughs) Yep, that's my question. Are you going to answer it? Yes, I am. Okay, thank you.
0: So, just because it forms high in the Earth's atmosphere does not guarantee it will hit the Earth's surface. That will only happen if the air temperature is below freezing all the way to the ground. If the snowflake passes through a thin warm layer of air, they could experience partial melting. When they exit the warm air, they will refreeze on the way down in the form of a tiny ice pellet, and that is sleet. If the snowflake passes through a layer of warm air that is thick enough to melt them completely, then land on a cold earth surface, the result is then freezing rain. Oh, that's great. I know, isn't it? So, if it's cold the whole way down, you get your snowflake.
3: So,
2: it's all about the layer of warm air.
0: Right. How
3: that's thick the layer stream. is. Exactly. exactly.
2: Oh, interesting.
3: I know, right? hmm So, really, like, we should just have a bunch of heaters outside just trying to heat up that atmosphere. Yeah. That's, yeah, that oh, that one, that's, that's, that's <laughs> realistic.
2: I feel like that's what we've been doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, for the snowflake to form, the temperature has to be below 32 degrees, and the water vapor in the cloud crystallizes into that initial little ice crystal so the shape and structure of the crystal are determined by the conditions inside the cloud as we said such as temperature and water vapor but beyond the details of how the crystal initially formed how the molecules incorporate themselves into the ice crystal structure and the fluctuations in the immediate environment that they the path that they go down toward the earth have influence on how the snowflake, sleet, or rain. So your formed tiny ice crystal has water molecules attaching itself to the ice crystal as it falls to the earth to form the snowflake, with water vapor, temperature, and humidity all playing a part in each attachment. So as it goes down, each attachment has all of those components.
2: The attachment means multiple snowflakes.
0: The attachment, no, the attachment means how that snowflake is formed. Oh. So as the water molecules and the vapor it's and the humidity, detector, the it's adding to the size of the snowflake, yeah, okay, exactly. that's what you
2: mean by attachment. Yes. Like it's not, it's like a, not like an accessory, not
1: like a, like a little snowflake scarf or something. It's no, just but I do think it.
0: that is a nice thing to
1: have. <laughs> it's just getting bigger.
0: <laughs> it is well, getting you, bigger. You could think
1: of it as an accessory, like, you know, because we, we get bigger as we add accessories. <laughs> that's, just, that's just more me, though. No, I'm saying like outer layers, not getting, you know, tubbier. Oh. This is it, getting tubbier, though.
0: According to Penn State... We are... Penn State! Yay. (laughs) According to Hans Verlind, the associate professor of meteorology at Penn State, at that time this article was written, his idea was, we cannot know for certain that every snowflake is unique simply because we cannot observe them all, he notes. But we can address the probability of finding two identical ice crystals, which is vanishingly small. That's just the ice crystal. That's the initial ice crystal. The bigger the crystal gets, the greater the freedom for different growth paths, and the lower the probability of finding identical crystals, even at the macroscopic visual level. So microscopic, obviously, you're looking at it under a microscope, which increases the size tremendously. Macroscopic you can see it visually. So one of the other things this this associate professor of meteorology said is it depends on how we define snowflake, which I thought was funny. Let's be specific, he said, and define snowflake as a single vapor-grown ice crystal. Okay, so now this is incredibly simplistic, right? This is just the ice crystal. I would say with a great deal of confidence that all crystals are different on a molecular level purely because there are differences in the atomic structure of the atoms making up a water molecule, and hence in the water molecules themselves. So now we have different differences in the basic water molecules. So,
2: We're sh- right, right. It's making Nobody it can more see and that, more. All of them, unless you have a microscope to look at them.
0: Right. I mean, even then, like
3: you think of how many there are there are out there. Like the right. likelihood of finding like two of the same
0: exact ones is is, pretty low. is vanishingly small, and it gets smaller. So now I'm gonna switch over to research done by a man named Kenneth Libreck from Caltech. This man is interesting. I've done some research on him. He is renowned as a research in the study and science of snowflakes.
2: That's hilarious. Oh
0: my goodness. But he's at Caltech? Yes. Why did Did I not think of that?
2: Snow there? I
0: don't even know. (laughs) I'm like, why didn't I become a snowflake scientist?
3: There are a lot
2: of flaky scientists.
0: You you imagine like
3: how their um, offices are decorated for like Christmas and winter. Yeah. Yeah, like a a
0: bunch
3: of like snowflakes, like cutting out snowflakes. Well, why wouldn't they
1: have snow there?
0: According to him, if you ask the question, "Is it really true that no two snowflakes are alike?" The short answer to the question is yes. It is indeed extremely unlikely that two complex snowflakes will look exactly alike. It's so. It's so extremely unlikely, in fact, that even if you looked at every one ever made, you would not find any exact duplicates. The long answer is a bit more involved, and it depends on what you mean by alike and what you mean by snowflake. So he's going to take us through some different possibilities, which is, again, funny to me, because you can change the definition some, but your answer basically stays the same as you will see. Since a typical small snow crystal might contain 10 to the 18th water molecules. So this is just amazing to me. That's a one with 18 zeros. So that's your typical small crystal. Has one to the 18 zero water molecules. We see that about 10 to the 15th or a one with 15 zeros of these molecules will be different from the rest. These unusual molecules will be randomly scattered throughout the snow crystal, giving it a unique design. The probability that two snow crystals would have exactly the same layout of these molecules is very, very, very small. Even with 10 to the 24th, which is one with 24 zeros, crystals per year, the odds of it happening within the lifetime of the universe is indistinguishable from zero.
1: Wow,
2: that is crazy, isn't it? Right. It's so just fascinating. obviously, so not something you can prove, but statistically, it's saying it's there's really no chance Statist- statistically based on the uniqueness of the starting point of a small
0: exactly small the ice light. crystal itself, right? The seed that it starts with right. is so just improbable. The seed, right. It's like Pouring and you say, oh, but it you know, two could be like it's kind of like pouring a bucket of sand and saying it could fall into a checkerboard pattern, mm-hmm. but the likelihood is so incredibly small right. that when you look at it well, like that, it's a little bit. It's kind of
1: even like pouring a bucket of sand and saying it could fall in the same way twice, exactly. twice. And like it can, right, right. It just can't. It it could like there's a. Millionth chance that it could. Less, there's like a there's once to the Once the bazillionth chance <laughs> yeah. that it could, but it won't. Right. right. I like
2: how he says it's indistinguishable from zero. Right. From a probability perspective.
0: Exactly. Right. He said, "I might add that even if we restrict ourselves to isotopically pure water molecules, it's still very, very unlikely that two macroscopic." macroscopic snow crystals, that's not microscopic, that's the ones you can see with your eyes, would be exactly alike. When a crystal grows, the molecules do not stack together with perfect regularity. So a typical snow crystal contains a huge number of crystal dislocations, which are scattered throughout the crystal in a random fashion.
2: Right. So based on so many factors. Exactly. The, the likelihood, again, that those dislocations all are happening the same exactly way. Exactly the same. Is practically zero.
0: So again, right with that, he said the probability of two crystals growing with exactly the same pattern of dislocations is vanishingly small. Small snow crystals can look alike. Crystals, again, I have to I have to emphasize these are the seeds. These are just the initial crystals.
2: The microscopic seeds.
0: Right with simple shapes often look similar to one another. And it's not hard to imagine that if you sifted through a reasonable number of Antarctic snow crystals, you could find two that were essentially indistinguishable. But that's only for the simple hexagon prisms. What about the more complex stellar crystals? Larger complex snowflakes are all different. The number of possible ways to make a complex snowflake is staggeringly large. This is this I found very interesting. I feel staggered
1: by that statement.
0: I am. To see just how much so, consider a simpler question. How many ways can you arrange 15 books on your bookshelf? Well, there's 15 choices for the first book, 14 for the second, 13 for the third, etc. Multiply it out, and there are just over a trillion ways to arrange just 15 books. That's crazy. With 100 books, the number of possible arrangements goes up to just under 10 to the 158, that's 1, followed by 158 zeros. That number, that number alone, is about 10 to the 70 times larger than the total number of atoms in the entire universe. Isn't that amazing? So when you look at a complex snow crystal... You can often pick out a hundred separate features if you look closely. Since all those features could have grown differently or ended up in slightly different places, the math is similar to that with the books. So the number of ways to make up a complex snow crystal is absolutely huge. And thus, it's unlikely that any two complex snow crystals out of all those made over the entire history of the planet have ever looked completely alike.
1: But there's a chance.
0: Boom! And there's a chance that you could pour your sand into a checkerboard pattern, but it's not likely.
2: So thanks to all those flaky professors out there.
0: <laughs> and Kenneth Hilbert. It's funny because he was going to, I was reading up, up on him lately, and he said he's going to give up, the, like he's getting ready close to retirement age, so he's going to give up his other research and stick to snowflakes. And I'm like, <laughs> good for you. Good for you, <laughs> Kenneth Librak. You are my hero. <laughs> snowflake research
1: Snowflake research. Um, but what are we going to do with all those snowflakes when they hit the ground well, if only and there was something to do with them if only there was a way to stack them <laughs> gather them together <laughs> gather them together um, it's funny as I was looking up the history of snowmen so one particular source at uh, fatherly.com opened up with man has always loved stacking things <laughs> <laughs> cave drawings make this clear that's so, it is in our DNA to stack things. So there you go. I like stacking <laughs> I'm things. I like stacking things. You're a stacker. If you think we always stack things...
0: From the time you're a baby. Yep. I mean, you're stacking it's things. It's just a great
1: pastime. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long ago do you think snowmen... When do you think snowmen first came around? Oh. Um, the dawn of time. Recorded history. Let's see. Um, I'd say
2: maybe... 7, maybe
0: 1650.
1: 17. So, Sydney was the closest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not fair. They have pretty much always been around. Really? How do we know that? Um, Because there are cave drawings of stacked snow. I don't know if they have the eyes made out of coal in the little (laughs) piles. And the (laughs) carot nose. But, uh, yep, there's, there's evidence that even Neanderthals would stack snow into, or form snow into figures. Hmm. That's crazy. (laughs) That that is crazy. I would have never guessed guessed that either. I win! Well, as we know, we, as a race, have always loved to stack things. (laughs) That's right. So, they've pretty much always been around. It's funny, a lot of different websites compared Snowmen to uh, Forrest Gump. Like, they always just kind of show up in the background of... Other things happening.
2: That's funny, though.
1: But snowman. But making a snowman is something you would do... Like, there's no, like,
2: protection purposes. There's no, like, shelter purposes. There's
1: no... There's no reasonable purpose in, for it. Right? It's, it's more art and fun. Right, it's exactly. art and fun. And if you think about it, medieval peasants, you know, someone living in ancient wherever, doesn't have access to any kind of artistic um, paints or... Anything like that. In medieval Europe, the only painters would have been um, painting religious texts. Um, So artistic outlets were Right, artistic outlets. There wouldn't have even been... um, Really, it was only once you hit the Renaissance that we saw paintings become a big thing. Before that, it was just... So what I'm talking about is actually called illumination or illuminated art, where they would have a Bible verse and then paintings and... Um, art all around the periphery of the page. So that was, for for a long period of time in Europe, all that art really was. That, along with tapestries, stained glass, um, and other forms of art that were sanctioned by the church. So snow was a free and fun way for people to practice art. And snowmen, when we say snowmen, we don't necessarily mean the three balls... With the top hat, scarf, and, you know, the eyes. That's what I mean. (laughs) Well, I thought that it was disproved that all snowflakes were unique. So, welcome to disappointment on this podcast. (laughs) Um, So, what I'm talking about is any kind of sculpture made out of snow. Ooh, like an ice sculptor. Like an ice sculptor, but with snow. Oh. (laughs) So, a snow sculptor. So, a snow sculptor. Um, So, it was a way, it was interestingly a way that some people would protest current the current political climate or regime. That's funny. Um, sometimes in not appropriate ways. Which they is... would create very inappropriate things with the snow.
0: That's just crazy.
1: Um, which I guess makes sense if you want to protest the church because the church would not be happy with that.
3: Right. <laughs> That's true.
1: So we have depictions of snowmen all over old texts. Just sort of reference or a picture of kind of them in the background, nothing specifically alluding to the snowman, but the fact that we can kind of tell that it was in the background. Um, the earliest documentation um, of a sort of specific docu- documentation of a snowman was found in a marginal illustration from the 1380 Book of Hours. Um, found in a library in The Hague in the Netherlands. So this was in the Royal Library of the Netherlands in The Hague. Um, So in this, the Book of Hours, 1318, it depicts a, it says, oddly anti-Semitic drawing featuring a Jewish snowman melting near a fire... The accompanying passage describes the crucifixion of Jesus. So, oh. you can ask the 1380 Dutch what they meant by this. I know,
0: yeah. Yeah, um, it's all little, interpretive, huh?
1: A little oddly ambiguous there. Yeah. Um, but in 1494, a prince known as Piero the Unfortunate commissioned <laughs> an artist... How would you like that to be I know. In your name? In
0: history, ended up as the unfortunate. As
1: the unfortunate. Um, like, we, there have been rulers who have been known as the crippled or the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the great. Uh, or the terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, in fairness, terrible could mean... Often meant intimidating. Right. If you see it... If you see something the terrible... Ivan the terrible yeah. translates to Ivan the fearsome. Not okay. Ivan the... He was bad at doing things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Piero the Unfortunate commissioned the artist to build a snowman in the Medici Courtyard, um, though there's little known about this particular work. So, as time goes on, snowmen become more common and sort of, I guess you would think of higher class artists are taking more of an interest in snowmen. Um, The particular not-so-great event that I was talking about earlier uh, occurred in 1511, where the people of Brussels were not happy with the current political climate, and they created a number of snowmen engaged in lewd acts to protest.
0: I don't even want to visualize that.
1: Nope. But they did
0: it. (laughs) They did it! They, they actually did it.
1: They did it. Um, so they they uh, apparently covered the city in these snowmen. Good
0: grief. That's a lot of manpower.
1: Yep. And um, you have to wonder, were there no like guards out? Right. Like, that's a lot of... Like, it yeah. takes me a while to build a snowman. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And you think about... Like, and that's they just, got like, three tops? balls with a hat on top. Right. <laughs> right. Did they
3: yeah. do... What, yeah. Like, obviously, yeah. had too much free time. Right. Yeah.
1: Or maybe not enough free time, and that's why they were protesting. So, The Snowman, one of the world's earliest clays that you could, you know, kind of model whatever art you wanted into. Right. Uh, every time it came down, you could create really whatever you wanted out of it. Yeah, and everybody had access to it. And everybody had access to it. So, a lot of times, snowmen were used um, as sort of political tools to either say something about the current regime or... Um, makes some kind of artistic statement um, a lot of times in Europe and a lot of times um, a little too ambiguously for me to really understand what they meant by these snowmen right, but maybe yeah. it was like a you know in 1870 you had to be there to understand <laughs> what, what the snowman <laughs> meant kind of thing yeah um but there's references to um like when the king of Prussia wanted to invade Paris they put snowmen on top of cannons which Um, I don't think was supposed to fool the Prussians into thinking that those cannons were were manned. I'm not really sure what the French (laughs) meant to do by that. Yeah. Um, And uh, there was also reference to, in the French and Indian War, snowmen being left to guard the gates, one on either side. Um, Again, not sure that it would fool anyone. Right. But it's interesting because snowmen... Unlike a lot of the other things, like lemonade or or iced tea, there is not a specific history of snowman that we can track back to a moment. Right. Uh, they've kind of always been around in their various forms, and maybe we could trace back the current iteration of snowman the three uh, the three balls, right. the top hat, the scarf, and uh, button eyes and carrot nose. Yeah. But we don't know what that traces back to. So that might be an interesting topic for a different podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you guys remember making snowmen growing up? Hopefully not engaged in lewd acts.
3: <laughs> yeah. You guys mean
0: mom and dad?
1: Um, also you. Oh. You can be in there too.
0: Yeah. I actually, I remember when I was young, I remember rolling huge balls to make the snowmen, but I really don't remember specific snowmen growing up. Just remember
2: the process um, yeah, of making this. Dream. Yeah,
0: because mm. snow would get between your mitten and yes. the your um,
2: coat. Yeah, your snow,
0: Your snowsuit. Yes. We had when snowsuits. We were,
2: right when we were kids, we didn't have gloves. The long ones. The gloves are mittens that would go over the sleeve. Right. So there was a lot of times a gap, and snow would accumulate on that, and and just like be frozen balls around your yeah. skin. Yeah, and it would. It. After a while,
0: it would hurt.
2: <laughs> yes, it was. But But
0: it was still fun to do the snowballs and make the snowman.
2: My family grew up around um, the Great Lakes, around Lake Erie, so Buffalo and Cleveland, and then later Pittsburgh. But I remember making snowmen, making snow forts, making igloos, ice skating, all those kind of outside things from the Buffalo and Cleveland days because we got bigger snows there. Uh, So we often made snowman and if we did they were usually big and it was a community effort it was multiple neighbors because snow is actually very heavy it does you make a ball about i don't know three three feet or bigger across it becomes very heavy yep Um, and you need a
1: lot of a lot of people or strong people to push it hoist it up there that's right yeah you need one of those uh large Scotsmen that pick up the rocks (laughs) exactly to help you build a snowman yes Maybe um, that's where that came from. Maybe that's where that came from. Maybe you could hire one out to, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to help you build a snowman. <laughs> like it'd be a winter um, uh, job. A, a winter job. Yep, seasonal work. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's a funny thought. Yeah. But uh, I remember making snowman and making snow force you helping us hollow out. Well, right. You, mostly, hollowing out. Right. Um, You're looking at me. Yep. yep <laughs> I'm looking at Randy here, hollowing out. Uh, large snowballs that we could then right. go into. Yes,
2: and, were, and we got that by pu- when you push snow off the driveway, it would become, you know, bigger and bigger, and kind of um, piles of snow. So it was easy from those piles to kind of pack it down, and then to dig it out to make a fort or. Cave kind of, kind some of like sort an we would,
0: yeah. But we'd roll a big ball over to it. Yeah. Because I remember it was it was a ball. I started in the back. The back. Yep.
2: For that one you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. Like a specific event.
0: Yeah. And that's what but, we have pictures for. Yeah. Yeah. But
3: pictures like you of. said, like we've had other snow forts based on or um made from the snow from the driveway that we've kind of shoved to the side.
1: Right. Right.
2: And um the if you if you're familiar with the cartoon Calvin and Hobbes, Yes. Um, he, that cartoon, I think, really proliferated the idea of snowmen scenes. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Often, in his case, they were uh,
1: catastrophes or like they the were monsters, alien. monsters. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, some of those scenes, when you go back, are a little darker than <laughs> I seem <laughs> yes. to remember. Yes. Um, I think there was one where he was holding a little snowman at the edge of his roof. Yes. And, like, the crowd of snowmen below. And it had to be, like, 30 <laughs> snowmen. Yeah. Were all chanting for him to jump. Yeah. Sometimes he had, like, little snowmen, which is pretty reasonable. Sometimes he had big ones, like a bunch of big ones.
2: You're like, yeah, that would have taken, like, weeks to build that many snowmen. Okay, this is
0: Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. The beloved right? comic series. That's, That's right.
0: right. Well, and Hobbes is a stuffed animal that comes to life. So, suspension of disbelief is right. necessary. But Cole used to make some of those scenes, too. He would make snow scenes. Snow scenes, yeah. Yes.
1: With little snowmen. With little snowmen. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were fun because you could use, like, two balls and yeah. just, like, a pair of eyes or That's something right. like that. or like, A pair of eyes and a nose. Right. Um, and you could do a lot more with those. Quickly. But yeah. the unfortunate thing about that is that um, you lose, you start being able to see the grass. Yeah. Um, you, kind of, you kind of lose enough. the blanket of yeah, snow, yeah. right. which it was often not deep enough. So that was um, yeah. a little unfortunate. Yeah, especially if it didn't. Even if it did snow again, it would kind of mess up your snowmen and yeah. then cover up the grass. Yeah,
2: and that didn't happen when I was in when we were in Cleveland and Buffalo. Those areas that didn't happen. There's there was so much snow that you know you were even as you rolled the ball, there was still snow underneath of that.
0: Yeah, I think when once we moved here. We had snowstorms that were more like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the ones when he was old enough to do the snow scenes, I think, was in the other house, at Percival. Mm-hmm.
1: Nope, I'm thinking of here. Yeah, oh, were here. you? Yep. Okay.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. That it depended on how snowy it was that year.
1: Right. Yeah. Yep. And it definitely there were years when it was crazy snowy, and there were years like this year where it's nice yeah. and. And snowy. it helps if it snows. Packs down, snow skin packs down doesn't melt
2: in between because often here it melts in between. Right. Uh, But if it packs down, then it
1: you're not likely as likely to pick it up as you roll a snowball.
0: Yeah, you need a nice big snowstorm.
1: Right. Yep. And I'm not Danish, but I'm sure the Danish love snowmen, snowballs, raiding, (laughs) all those things. All those things.
3: Well. Those are certainly some outdoor activities that you can do. Hmm. But there are also...
1: Those are three of my favorite outdoor (laughs) activities. (laughs) Snowball, snowman, and reading.
3: (laughs) But the Danish also have this very cool word that they use. And it's kind of a livelihood as well. Um, And it's the word hygge. And it is described as an atmosphere of warmth, well-being, and easiness. Where you feel at peace and able to enjoy simple pleasures and being in the moment. Uh, Another description is a Danish word that means coziness. It is a feeling more than a word. It is a ritual of enjoying life's simple pleasures and making ordinary more meaningful, beautiful, and special. That's nice. Yeah. So this word is often associated with winter and being indoors in winter. So what are some cozy... Family or even just low-key sort of things that you think of when, like, um, that you can do during the winter months. So, so,
2: when we're with the
1: Danish people or just ourselves?
3: Ourselves.
1: It's kind of like your, your aha moment. What's your hugu moment? Your hugu right. moment?
0: I like the fi- to have the fireplace on. To have the fireplace on and hot cocoa. Mm-hmm. And actually, a fuzzy blanket. Yeah. That's all nice. Mm-hmm. That's cozy to me yeah
1: I like all of those things um being with close friends or family um drinking some kind of hot beverage um, and typically having a cat around somewhere, it either is very fun. either sleeping on the hearth next to the warm fire or Sitting next to me, staring at me, and yelling at me. That's, <laughs> as that's as horrible, my, my cat does.
3: That's right. Um, I came across this word, and it's very interesting. Because um, although it's associated with the winter months, it's kind of a, a lifestyle that the Danish have embraced. And um, I found more information on... It's called Ma com, And um, this woman, she was raised... Um,
1: by Vikings
3: she grew up in Denmark and she was raised with this lifestyle so she describes Hygge um, as a state of mind as much as it is an experience Hygge sums up the mood and ambiance of a situation Experienced during the cold Danish winter evenings when candles are lit on the coffee table, a good movie is on TV, you are cuddled up on your couch with your loved ones, also associated with warm hot drinks, warm blankets, lit fire. Um, I like this word. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a feeling you get during the holidays when your house is full of family traditions and all the right ingredients to make memories that last a lifetime. Um, but it's also associated with, like just with going on, Going for a walk on a warm summer day, stopping by an ice cream shop. It doesn't cost money, and you can bring it into your life pretty easily.
2: Sounds like what you did at work the other day. Where you took a, you were able to I take a walk outside. I took
1: time. I took a huggy moment. You did. You had a huggy moment. That's right. Um, and that's uh, good to know that the word doesn't cost anything. <laughs> that, there's not a tax on right. it for me to use it. No, well, yeah, it's good.
3: <laughs> Um,
1: Lord knows there's a tax and everything else. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
3: nice. So this person describes it that... So this woman says that um, hugue was never meant to be translated. The closest word that comes to a translation is coziness. Okay. okay. But, but it, even but then right. it doesn't. It
2: is, how you describe it, it's much more than that. Coziness right. is a kind of result of all the environmental things right. going on. Right. right, exactly. It sounds like
1: this is all the environmental things. And also the feeling. That create the
3: This is more like the effect, not really the cause.
1: Right. And you um, can have, these are like
2: moments. You can create these kind of moments mm-hmm. or um, not maybe days, but hours worth of this kind of um, lifestyle.
3: Right. So it, it's much more meant to be felt. Yeah. Than um, to do. Interesting. Yeah, so it's very interesting. And... A lot of, um, she said it's very popular in Denmark, and I can see why, because, you know, it's not. I want it to be
1: very popular here. It sounds great. It sounds (laughs) like it's
3: growing, but it's very interesting because the word, how to say it, sometimes during Christmas, people get so stressed that they don't enjoy the season, right? that's true. So, hygge isn't necessarily tied to a holiday. However, I think it can be applied to it. Right. So, for instance, I was in Target the other day and I was talking to the cashier and she actually told me that, um, you know, it didn't really feel like Christmas this year. Well, and that's I, sad. Yeah, It is sad. And it kind of made me think as I was looking up what this word meant. It means like kind of to me, it means more of the little moments. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's a good way to put it. And I think a lot of people during the holiday season, which is very sad for me. Um, to see other people have to go through this or going, you know, making themselves go through it, is um, they, they lose the little moments mm-hmm. of just enjoying the season. Yeah. Like, for instance, we like wrapping, not because we want to make it perfect. <laughs> wrapping paper. Wrapping, yeah. Wrapping w- gifts. W- gifts. <laughs> right. But we have, like, a TV, like, in the room that we wrap. and We can we watch just,
1: Christmas shows. We can or... watch
3: Christmas shows. We can watch, like, any nostalgia, anything that right. we want. We can, you know, be in the room with a cup of hot tea.
1: Right. We can watch rank and bass christmas specials check out our previous episodes on the rank and bass animagic <laughs> that's
3: right that's right so i think i think we've done a good job at applying this word and this kind of meaning to the holiday season but i mean there are definitely um areas for improvement but i think if people apply this word more during the winter season and the holiday seasons and they may find that they enjoy the season more just kind of not necessarily like stopping and smelling the roses, but kind of like that.
2: Yeah, but because I think it's it is easy, even for us who love the holidays, to get a little bit too busy, and you're not enjoying it. It's like yeah. you're thinking of the next, so i going to wrap all the gifts, so i going to send the Christmas cards out. Oh, yeah. I got to finish decorating, you know, all those kind of things instead of taking the moments. And I think we we do a good job mm-hmm. of doing it, but we also have room for improvement yeah. um, in taking those moments. I find that one of my favorite days is the day after New Year's because um, things have slowed down, slowed down enough that I can pause. So I often like to take an extra day off or two after New Year's because I can have more of those kind of just kind of still
1: moments right. in my life.
3: And I think that's why Hallmark is so big now. Because it, it does mm-hmm. kind of let you yes. enjoy the, yeah. the spirit of the season. It embraces
1: all the small things.
3: Right. Like you, you're in your home with your family. You, you're snuggled up in a blanket. You have a hot
0: cup of something. Right. And that's what it's focusing on. Not right. the business of the season. Not the productivity. But well,
1: that, what that, it, that's what the message often is. Because a lot of times it does focus on the, um, the busyness of the season. But not as a good thing. Right. As finding the small moments in the course of a homework. Exactly.
0: One of the things, too, that I was thinking is that during the winter, um, with having less daylight, Mm -hmm. sometimes people, um, that's a time that people get, go through a depression. Mm -hmm. um, Simply because of the lack of sunlight. Yeah. But if you incorporate this word into your life, into your lifestyle, It could actually be a great time, you know, it's a little dark out, go ahead and grab your mug of whatever, Mm -hmm. tea, coffee, whatever, and snuggle up and get a book or get your journal out or, Mm -hmm. you know, to take advantage of this slower kind of season Mm -hmm. that could be really helpful for a lot of people.
3: I'm glad you mentioned vitamin D because I did see a suggestion that it said, you know, even during the workday, take a moment to kind of like what Cole did, go take a walk. You know, just to yes. kind of enjoy the moment right? kind of thing. So um, if you haven't um, applied this word or what it means, we I highly encourage that you do so or do so even more um, because I, I think it's a really good um, start. Like, I think it's a really good habit to have. Right. To um, keep in the
0: forefront of your mind. Yes, yes, definitely.
2: That is awesome. So the future festivities are for the week of January 20th. January 20th is a... National holiday in the United States It's Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday January 21st Is Squirrel Appreciation Day (laughs) January 22nd Is Answer Your Cat's Questions Day January 23rd Is National Pie Day P-I-E January 24th Is Compliment Day January 25th Is Chinese New Year's January 26th Is Australia Day and January 27th is National Chocolate Cake Day. Ooh! <laughs> yes, exactly. On social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons. Facebook, you can find us on a Facebook page or group by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar. And you can contact us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So for Randy. That's... Cole, and Sydney, enjoy Enjoy your your Hugin moments.